Keith couldn't have chosen a stronger two songs for what I believe God's laid on my heart to share with you all this morning. And it's just the front page of your outline, I want you to look at it. This is the only blanks you got today. Everything else, I've just got statements. PGF. I remember when Connie and I were at Lake Carroll Baptist in Tampa, Florida. There was a TV program that was produced by a group of people, uh, Christian Radio in Clearwater, Florida, and, and the name of the program, it was actually aired in the Atlanta market too, years ago back in the 80s. It was called Joy Junction for Kids. And their theme slogan was PGF. First thing they put on the screen would be something that looked similar to that one. PGF. Put God first. And that's what they spent every week on Saturday morning doing for children. Put or pudding, however you want to say, but put or pudding God first. And folks, in thinking about that statement that Joy Junction and the actors and those in the Christian television network that did this, I kept thinking to myself, the longer we live in these days of the 21st century, the more this old pagan world is watching you and watching me to see if we really do live out our faith in putting God first in our daily life. And then you know what the choir just sang. This is my prayer. Lord, when this day is through, was I a little less of me and a little more like you. And then we just close that song. My lone desire in all I say or do was I a little less like me or a little more like you? Folks, I believe we're coming into a time in our lives where that simple PGF, we've done it all of our life. We've heard it preached all of our life. We've talked about it so much throughout our lives. You folks in this room are my friends. You are the veterans of putting God first. This church taught me how to put God first. They taught me about the Scripture that we're about to share and use. So again, as I say, and I feel like every week I'm preaching to the choir, but not really. Because I think what's happening in this country right now is that Christianity, evangelical Christianity, is now being set to a point that we have got to excel in everything that we do. And the world has got to see us putting God first. But what does the unbelieving world see in you? How do they witness you and me living out our faith in our daily walk? How did they see you this week as putting God first? Did you put God first in your conversations? Did you put God first in the workplace, in the marketplace, out on the wherever you were? Was God first and was it evident? 
I love the book of James. I love studying the book of James. There is so much spiritual meat. And James taught us from the very first chapter of the book, in particular in verses 5 through 8, I'm not going to read that, but he said this, we have got to ask for godly wisdom. And he's taught to the people and he's to the Jews and he said, ask for that wisdom, trust God to lead you in that path of wisdom and believe God was going to take care of you. And then he went on to the second chapter in that and he made a statement that blows us away. He said, faith without works is dead. So, I mean, old James, he's getting down, downright meddling now, you know. And then, and then finally, he, he gets to the point of how you and me are to speak as a child of God. What ought to come out of our mouths. And that what comes out of our mouths is, in fact, an expression of what the attitude of the heart really is. Folks, this resonated with me for these last couple, three weeks. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I get, the uh, best sermons I get is in the shower. And last week, when Connie and I were in Mount Airy, North Carolina, we were fixed to go ride with Barney. Literally, in the, in the 63 Chevrolet. Uh, not Barney, the real, obviously, Don Knotts, he's dead, but that's what they do in Mount Airy, is the home. And, and I was just, and, 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 I'm, and I could not get Joy Junction. Why does that come back up in my mind? I have no reason to think of Joy Junction, a kids program that I saw 30, 20 plus years ago. But I'm, I, I'm getting dressed and PGT, PGT, PG, put God first. Put, and I'm thinking, Lord, okay, I, I hear you. You're telling me to, yeah, put God first. And the more I began to listen, the more I began to hear that, wow, here is what we are to be about doing. James basically says to us that we have been distracted by the worldly things by Satan and he's caused our focus to be taken off the Lord where so much of the time it becomes all about us, and we've said that, and not about the Lord. So I went back to James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. If he's gotten this part of the meddling and what he's done already, then wow. I want you to see the scripture. I'm in James chapter 4, and I'm in verse 7. Here is the formula. Here is what God tells you and me of how daily we must put God first. And folks, while this is a very simple title, it is not a very simple message. This is the meat of the gospel, in my opinion. And hear what James says. Now, the, the, the folks of the diaspora, the Jews of the diaspora, after they were captive in Babylonia, they went to live in places outside of Palestine, and they were dispersed. Hence, we referred to it as the diaspora. Well, these people had already done this, and now, and there were, there was concern, should we say, of, of the people of how to live, what to say, what to do. How do we, in fact, put God first? Though different language used in the New Testament. And in verse 7, here, here's the formula. Therefore, James says, 
I encourage you to back up the whole book of James, but in particular chapter 4. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, but resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Second verse, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded people. And then verse 9, I don't know if verse 9 bothers you or not. But when I read that years and years and years ago, and when I looked at this, I thought, why in the world would James make this statement? He says, be miserable, mourn, and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning, and your joy must change to sorrow. Hmm. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. There are four things. Here's how we do it. We all have to work on all of them. They're not easy. But here's the first one. Submit to God. Well, I say the only blanks is the four things you've got there. Number one, submit to God. Submit to God. That verse 7, exactly what it says. Let me tell you something about submission and what submission means. Submission to God means that you will intentionally do everything you know to do in order to resist the devil. Submission to God means that you will intentionally do everything you know to do to resist the devil. The word submit in the Greek literally means to put yourself under the authority of God, under His care, under His power, under His strength, under His laws, under, you get my point. Surrender to God so that He can strengthen you. I can remember as a child when something frightened me, I would, and that was Godzilla. Black and white version. I can still remember laying in my room on South Cobb Drive and it faced the back side of the house and those big old trees that stood back there in the, at nighttime when it was just getting dark, you know, and those trees and the wind would wave like this. I could see old Godzilla come over those things. <laughs> and y'all know what, this is funny. Y'all know what I did? I'd hide. This is how I'd hide. Thinking like the ostrich, if I covered my eyes, nothing, none of the rest of this thing could be seen, you know. And here was God, terrified me to the point that mom and dad, when I was a small, small child, wouldn't let me watch Godzilla. I love it now, I love the old science fiction stuff, but I could just see old Godzilla rising up over those oak trees. And I remember one night I did that, I went running into my mom and dad's bedroom, and I jumped in the bed literally on top of my father. And you know, I didn't appreciate such things until I had my own son, and Connie and I had Michael. And then one night in the middle of the night, for some reason, my little boy, who is now this tall or whatever, came running in our bedroom, and he jumped on me, and it was an absolute shock. You know, to me, I can only imagine what my dad thought when I came in there that morning. But I told my dad, Dad, I am afraid. And I remember running, I mean, literally running to this bed and then jumping. My dad had no choice because when my feet left the ground, I'm fixing the head right on top of him. He's dead to the world asleep. And can you, well, and that's, you know, but, but folks... That's what submit is. A little song. What time I am afraid, quick to myself I'll say, 
There is no need of fear. I know a better way. I'll place my faith in God and better safe. I'll be what time I am afraid. I will put my trust in thee. You know where I learned that? Right here. Some of you old enough to remember when I was at in sunbeams. And God taught me submission. Running into my dad's room. Jumping. And the minute I jump and my feet leave the ground, I have no control now. I'm heading right toward my dad. That's submission. When you and I are willing to run into the arms of God emotionally. We can't do it physically. Spiritually. God, we don't understand this. This makes me angry, Lord. I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I don't understand. And we run to God. There is that point when we run in our minds and in our hearts. What's God going to do? Just like my dad. Was he not going to stop me? Was he not going to catch me? Was he going to let me fall off the other side of the bed? Of course not. My father would catch me. So would my heavenly and will my heavenly father as well. Submission to God means that very thing. Now, let me tell you this. Submission is something you do intentionally. It is never automatic. Submission is something you do intentionally. And if you're going to submit to God, the Bible says there's two other things you must learn to do. You must learn to resist the devil and his deceitful ways. Now, something about the word resist. The word resist in the Greek means to take a stand against the devil. It means to exert the energy. There that is again. The effort to oppose and defeat the devil and his temptation. It means to keep your mind and energy focused on the counteracting and conquering temptation of the devil. And the word means to intentionally fight back against something or someone as the devil tries to come to you. Submit yourselves to God. Literally run from the devil and his ways. And both of these words, submit and resist, are military words. They're not suggestions. They are imperatives. And they are urgent. And they are from God Himself. They're not up for discussion. The point is this, folks. Make sure your vision is always P-G-F. Make sure your vision is always P-G-F. I remember watching a surprise reunion arranged between a family and their serviceman dad who was serving in Afghanistan. The family, including the wife, had no idea of what was about to happen, and then suddenly out of nowhere... There came the dad, and the son, who was sitting on the front row, saw him. And what did he do? He immediately ran to his dad. Nothing was going to stop this boy. His sole purpose was to get to his dad at all costs. 
And when you and I submit to God, that's exactly what we do. We put God first. We run to God emotionally. We don't understand. We can't figure it out. But God, we love you. You know what you're doing. We trust you. And I don't know about you all. In these days, when you can't see out there, the trust is hard. But then that what the scripture says, blessed are those who have what? Not seen, yet believe. You and I need to submit to God. Period. Like we have never submitted to God. Now, I learned this from many of you in this house. You know what it means to submit to God. And I share this with you as a caution for all of us. We are living in the last days. And according to God's timeline, if a thousand years this is one day and one day is a thousand years, we could be seconds or a few seconds away from the rapture of the church. I just know we're close to the edge of the edge of the edge. Look at the prophecy. Look at what's out there today. Look mostly at the very Word of God. We haven't got long, I think, to submit to God like we have never, ever submitted before. Make sure your vision and submission is putting God first. But now there's a second thing. It's what it says in verse 9, verse 8. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Watch this. Once again, drawing near to God is something that does not happen by osmosis. When you and I grow as a child of God, just because we become a Christian doesn't mean we grow spiritually. That must be and always has to be an intentional effort by the command of James. But how do we live out that PGF life? And James tells us in the very second point of the message of what we're saying, PGF means that you will draw near to God and repent. Now, we remember the draw near to the God part, but the last part of that verse is repent. Once again, we're talking about military words, commands. Therefore, the believer whose desire is to put God first. The greatest privilege in all the world is to have the glorious, the glorious privilege to approach and draw near to God, the sovereign majesty of this universe. And now just think believers can approach God, talk and share with Him at any time, any place, just like we shared in our prayer a minute ago. And the door into God's presence is never closed. But what the Scripture says, is that the door into God's presence is not only open, we are urged and encouraged by this very Scripture if we're going to put God first to draw near to God. And watch this. His promise to us is that He will draw near to you and to me. How do you draw near to someone? Well, when you first met that number one lady, guys, in your life, you most likely wanted to draw near to her. So what would you do? You did everything you knew humanly possible to do to get near to that lady. Connie and I were very active in the ministry here. And I always wanted to date Connie. 
but never asked. So one day I got up the courage to ask. And I know you all think I'm crazy, but Connie was sitting right where Rod Kelly is sitting right now. One morning when I came into the worship house here, and I don't know, the little light bulb went on, you know, I mean, real bright, and said, now is the time to ask. Can you remember this? Oh, do you? Okay, good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I can go home today. But I remember that, that, that afternoon, I decided I was going to call Connie Brantley and, and ask her if she would go out with me. So I got up the courage. You know what her answer was to me? No. I didn't stop. A few weeks later, I asked her again. Her next reply was very simple. I have got to go to my grandmother's house. All of a sudden, I was getting the idea that she did not want to date me. I was working then at Big Apple down on Sandtown Road right behind us here as a bag boy. And it just happened one day when her grandmother, as we affectionately called Mamu, came in to us and and gave me the biggest tip, which then was 50 cents. I mean, that's like giving somebody $10 now and uh, to take out our groceries. And she would always tell me. that She'd put it in my hand. She'd open my hand and fold it. And I can see her to this day putting that 52 quarter, 50 cents in my hand and closing my hand. And when she did, she says, you put this in your pocket. And you call Connie and you ask her for a date. I'm going to help you. We're going to work this out. I did. But you know... What really humbles my ego is the very first time, well, not time, I tried my best to ask Connie out. She had to go to her grandmother's. Most of you know this. Some of you don't. Connie's grandmother was next door to her house. Obviously, Mamu knew what she was talking about. Forty-four years in November. That's pretty good, you know. But I'm telling you, folks. Okay, let's just suppose I'd have walked in that door right there and saw Connie. Hey, Connie, see you. Click. Now, there were other times if there was moments. Let's just suppose I didn't do anything about that. I would let it go. Would I be sitting here even right now? Probably not. Would I be sitting here obviously married to Connie Chief? Probably not. I had to intentionally draw near. To God. I had to do something about it. It's not going to happen by osmosis. My point is this. When you are in love with someone, you will want to draw near to that person. And I wanted and still do want to draw near to Connie. Folks... I wish this old world, this evangelical world, our world right now here, that we could just, not saying we don't love Jesus, but maybe we could just fall in love all over with Jesus. And it would, would help us to, in, to intentionally draw near. So how do you do it? Let me show you on the board. How do you intentionally draw near to God? Well, number one is this. We just said it. Make a conscious decision to draw near because you want to put God first. Whatever God wants, you want. You make that conscious decision. How else are you going to draw near to God? Read the book. Read His Word. Study that Word. Read it devotionally. Read it for study. I have to be careful as a pastor, minister, that the study that I do of the Word of God is 
all the study is not for someone else. I need to make sure, just like you, that I have my times, my reading, my understanding for me where God speaks to me. Not that He doesn't speak to me when I'm preparing sermons or anything else. But I need to make sure as a pastor, I'm looking and studying at the Word of God for me Two, what is God wanting to tell me? Read His Word. Third, the third thing, how are you going to draw near to God? Pray. You know, God's not going to move. He's right here. He's stable. And sin always separates you and me from God. Amen? So when there's a separation of sin there, you move. God stays right there. And you know, you know you've seen me do this before. And, and confession of sin. Pray. And the, the fourth thing is make sure the people around you see you practicing putting God first daily. Wow. Submit to God, draw near to God. The first two responses James gives to the Jewish believers of the diaspora in order to put God first. They ought to be good for me and you. Here's a third one. And this is where that's, that sticky verse of verse 9. Understand godly Repentance. Understand godly repentance. Here's verse 9. Does this verse ever bother y'all when you read that and you read that? Be miserable, mourn and weep. And when you read that like that, it's, you think, whoa. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy must change to sorrow. Well, on first reading of that and you realize that you think that God is, wow, is that what you meant? Yes. Verse 9 is a powerful, powerful verse. Here's what James is saying. He's been talking to the people about repentance, sin, and the fact that sin will never get into heaven and sin will always separate. It all makes sure the, the power of God and putting God first permeates everything that you do that cleans up all of our life. And James is saying that it's time for believers to understand the true nature of repentance. They need to understand apart from the forgiving power of God that you and our our lives are doomed. And so what does Jesus say? What is the Lord saying? How would James writes it down? It says, let your laughter be turned to mourning. Here's what that means. We must understand that God will never allow us to get away with committing sin. Sin always brings on the judgment of God. People say, God's a loving God. He wouldn't do that. I'm not going to test God on that issue. Sin is a serious business. And we must learn to take our own sin serious. But our sin, mine and your sin, is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, one day, you and I as believers are going to face the judgment seat of Christ called the Bema, B-E-M-A, judgment. That is a judgment that is only for believers. That is where we quote, as we say, and the Bible tells us to give 
an account of our life. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each man may be repaid for what? His works, what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. And then Romans 14, 10, But why do you criticize your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the tribunal of God. We will stand to the, before God at the beam of judgment. It's a judgment of believers, not of unbelievers. All of us, believers, must appear. Paul meant all of us, those that have a nature like him, a godly nature, a new nature in Christ. That is, all those who believe in Christ are the ones who will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Why? The ugliness of sin. You and I need to see sin as our mourning, as as sorrow, as what sin breaks the heart of Jesus. That's why that verse is there. It's talking about repentance. You want to break the heart of Jesus? You want to see tears come from the eye of God Himself? Then sin! We've got to understand what godly repentance is. And let me show you about that in terms of the Scripture. Just a couple things. I'll put them on the screen. The judgment of believers is a surety. It's a fact, in other words. It will happen, and nothing can stop it from happening. In the second place, it says this. The believer will be judged by Christ Himself. We're not standing before the saints of God. We're standing before Christ. Every believer will face the scrutiny and searching eyes of Christ and be judged. That's what it says. Our sin is done. It's, we're talking about works here. The believer will be judged exactly by what the Scripture says. Through things done through. The Greek word is a little word, three little word, dia. Through the body. And James is telling us that we take our repentance toward God seriously. How? Here it is. We should never let a sin go by us without first confessing it to God and making a complete repentance about face from that sin as we focus on God and put God first. I'm getting better. I'm not there. I've got a long, long, long ways to go. But I do try every, when I blow it, to say, Lord, boy, I made a mess of that one, didn't I? I can just hear God. Mm-hmm. But what does God do? I love you, Randy. I forgive you. Remember that East and West never meets? That's the kind of forgiveness. That's why we always, when we talk to anybody and we talk to children, We always say this statement, repentance is more than feeling sorry for your sin. Verse 9. May your laughter be turned to sorrow. Wow. Repentance. Be miserable, mourn, and weep, he says. Your laughter must change to mourning and with sorrow. That's what it's going to take. Then there's a fourth and final thing I want to tell you this morning. I love this. The fourth thing, just humble yourself. Verse 10, humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and He'll exalt you. The Greek word for humble 
It means to be trans, it means to cause something or someone to be made low. Very simple translation, but very true. William Barclay, great theologian, here's what he said about it. And I put this on the screen for you, I want you to see it. And let me read what it says to you. Only when a man realizes his own ignorance, can he ask the guidance of God? Only when a man realizes his own poverty and the things that matter will he pray for the riches of God's grace. And only when a man realizes his weakness in necessary things, he will come to and draw upon his strength to God. And only when a man realizes that, watch this, he cannot cope with life by himself, and will he kneel before the Lord of all good life? Only when a man realizes his own sin will he realize his need for a Savior and of the forgiveness of God. Humble yourself. The picture of humility is that of a person who falls prostrate before a powerful oriental ruler, as the word actually originated from when we say, seeking mercy. But here, obviously, the word's referring to God Almighty Yahweh Himself, as we, as it says. But, but I want you to notice something. I love this. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. And then I love the second part of this verse. Notice God's benefit to the believer who truly humbles himself. What's God going to do? God will what? Lift you up. Hoopsao. I love to say the word in Greek. Hoopsao. H-O-O-P-S-A-W. Well, not S-A-W. That's the omega. Sao. Zero. But either way. Hoopsao. It means to be lifted up to a higher plane. I was Michael and... Michael and Jennifer are building a house. And they're all, in, they're all living with us now. And... Michael was running through the house the other day, just getting me tired. But what did he do? He grabbed Griffin, put him up on my, I, I can't do this. See, I could do that if I did. And put him up on, you know how you do. You put your grandson up, guys, y'all know this, put it up on your shoulders. Running him through the house, and Griffin was just cackling. He was laughing so hard and whatever. And I thought of this sermon, and I thought of, hey, that's what it means. God's going to put me on his shoulders. Think about that, y'all. And I'm convinced he's going to run through heaven. Hey, y'all, this is my kid. But we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves. I, um, humility is the reward of putting God first in your life. I love 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you. In due time, our precious Lord is going to lift us up. We're going to be home, and we're going to be in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. You know, if we're going to live a life that is God-focused, if we're going to live a life that's PGF, four things, four things. And let me share with you four things of what we've talked about. Number one, what did we say? If we're going to be a PGF person now like never before, submit to God. Run to Him. Run to Him. Draw near to God. Understand godly repentance. And humble yourself daily before God. Our prayer has got to be, Lord... We don't understand it all. But whatever you want, we want.
Let's pray. Father, I believe through James, you, you just very simply laid out what it means to put you first. And Lord, these four things on this earth is, is not easy. You know that. You've been here. And I thank you for the strength that you give us all. I thank you for the forgiveness that you give us all. But Lord, I, for all of us in this room, I just ask you, will you help us put you first in everything? All of our life, right here, wherever we go, every day, our home life, the circle of friends we surround ourselves with. Lord, and I ask you, will you place people in our path this week that we'll know you've put them there so that they could see that we really are putting God first. And then, Father, when we do that, just make it intentional for us to the point that there's no other way we can describe it, but that we can see, hey, that's what Randy was talking about Sunday. God has put somebody in my path. I just want them to see Jesus. Lord, I don't believe we've got all the time in the world to get the job done. But I know you're with us, and I know you love us. Bless these folks. Thank you for the writer of the book of James, James himself. And thank you, Father, for the power of that writing for our hearts. Just like you said, the Word of God is sharper and powerful than any double-edged sword. I pray and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before you go, let me make... Let me make this brief announcement to you. This is from Pastor John, and he has the same information I do uh, as well. He'll be here next week by video with us. Obviously, since he preaches at 11, he would be here. He's on vacation. You can sit down. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, he is on uh, vacation today. We'll give him a few days off and let him take a breath for a minute. But from the, pa- from the heart of our pastor, let me just say on behalf of Pastor John and Pastor Darrell and me, thank you for coming to the town hall meeting a couple of weeks ago. I just want you to know, man, you, you got a guy leading you who has a heart. A big, big, big heart. And I appreciate him being here that Sunday night and listening. And he not only listened and has heard what you said. And, and all three of us, or four of us, the priority is to seek that the Word of God flourishes right here at Olive Springs. And with Daryl out of town for two weeks, with mission trips, with me gone for a week, and John was in Toronto filming with Huntley Street for one week, We've spent the last couple of weeks in prayer and especially this past week together. But let me just share with you these points. And John, if you have any questions, you're welcome to email John Hull and whatever. But I, I think it's incredible, uh, incredible. Let me just read it just like I have it right here. An English-speaking worship service and Sunday school will continue for the foreseeable future right here on Sunday mornings. Will continue. Will continue. The times will change. We'll go back to a 945 Sunday school life group and 11 o'clock worship service. Uh, the Hispanic, yeah, you can say hello. We always kid each other and we've always talked about 945 and 11 being the holy hour. We went back to the holy hour. We thought that would be great. And folks, our Camino congregation will be meeting at 11 o'clock right here. 
And we will, the rest of us will be meeting in the chapel. We're going to install, John is, two new screens for notes. We're going to make our entire building Wi-Fi, which it's not. We're going to have to do that as well. Uh, I am excited about that, folks. So 945 Sunday School, and this is English and Spanish, 945. We have talked to Niceron. We've sat down with Josh. All of us have sat down together, and they're super excited about all this as well. Uh, our sunshine class will remain right here at Olive Springs. It'll continue to grow under Jane's leadership and her staff. Nothing will change. As a matter of fact, John wants to be involved and grow and continue to grow uh, Miss Nettie Holcomb's vision. And boy, do I. Let me tell you, I was excited about that, too. That's an amen one as well. Uh, our Haitian mission will continue to meet on our campus on Sundays under the leadership of Pastor Nasron Boger, but that service will begin in the chapel at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, after both the English and Spanish speaking are taken care of as well, Reverend Josh uh, Blanco and his assistant Freddie Antaban will lead our Spanish-speaking congregation right here, like it's been. And folks, they're running up now close to 200. That's exciting. That is exciting. Uh, and the leadership for our English-speaking service in the chapel will be made up of a rotation of our lead pastor, Dr. John Hall. Now, he'll be here by video, along with ministers and laymen from the campuses of Eastside. Though Pastor Randy will be in that rotation, I still get to preach here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. His office will now be located at the Lower Roswell campus, and my office will no longer be here at Olive Springs. He will be ministering to all the campuses of Eastside in the area of pastoral care. In other words, I've been with about all of you all at a hospital or wherever you've been. I've been with you in funerals. I've been with you in weddings. I've been with you in all that. I will not only continue that with you all, I will also add the entire group at Eastside and Lower Roswell Road and Smyrna. So it's picking up, as we say, to say the least. Uh, We anticipate these changes will take place in early to mid-September, most likely. We've got a lot of things to work out, but it's going to be the the main change right now. It could change, and please don't quote us on this, on Sunday, September the 18th, the following the September the 11th service as well. Uh, if you have any questions, let me direct your attention. And I want to, I'm telling you folks, John's not here, and I'd say if he was standing right here with me, he heard you. I know he did. And uh, he asked me, what do you think? This is what I thought. And, and, and he had already had most of this written down right here. I knew my job description was changing as well, but I am excited about the fact of not only are we continuing a worship service, uh, it's going to be continued in a royal way. And then those of you who'd like to go to Lower Roswell, of course, you come right on. Uh, we've got to work out our Sunday school because we will be teaching Sunday school here. Everything will go on as well. So I thank God for that. And we're going to make it very accessible to everybody and go from there. God is good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Would you just praise the Lord, folks? I mean, you know, thank you, Lord. Yeah. And like I say, John will be here by video. And uh, on the Sunday that we begin this, obviously he cannot come during both of our worship services on the 18th. But I really appreciated this. He and Nisaran are going to be doing a video. Nisaran obviously is going to um, interpret for, for, for John to the Haitian congregation. But because he just wanted Nisaran to know of his love for him and his love for the Haitian people, and he wants us to take all of our congregations, all of our, our, and grow them. A lot of changes, a lot of changes, to say the least, but I thank you all 
from the bottom of my heart. Let's pray before we go, okay? Lord, we, it's just what you want. We, we've got to trust you. And Lord, even in this schedule, even in what we're looking at doing, if this is not what you want, then you just put a stop to it. I mean, you clearly stop it. And Lord, maybe we're doing something now. We just need to stop. But then, Father, there are those things we ought to be doing and we're not doing. And Lord, make us aware of it. Keep our mind. We're so human. We are so frail. But you are God. And here's one of those times, Father, where I feel like I've just got to run and jump. But I know you're not only going to catch me, you're going to hold on tightly. Thank you, Father. I love you. I love these folks. And I pray and thank you in the very name of Jesus. Amen.